Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This is the Fueling Creativity and Education podcast. On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education. We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity. All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom. So let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. And this is our wrap-up episode for the 2022-2023 academic year. Congratulations, you've made it. So Cindy, I don't know about you, but I, I know that I felt totally exhausted at the end of the semester. Oh, Matt, I just remember being delirious. And oftentimes I would feel really tired and exhausted and a little bit sad and burned out. And I remember writing notes to myself that would say, you always feel this way at the end of the semester. You know it will turn around come summer. And I would always take some time at the end of every semester to do something creative for myself. So I I would go to a movie. I remember going to the Muppets, the new Muppet movie that had come out by myself. And I sat in the front row and I cried just remembering what it was like to have the Muppets in my life. Or I would take myself to an art gallery and just walk around in, in silence with no one asking me any questions. But finding some space to really be creative in the way that you most connect with is a great way to end a semester. I did tee you up for that story because I remember we were talking about this a few weeks ago and I was kind of feeling the way that you were describing. And I really loved the idea of writing myself a note in the future. And I actually have have adopted that in my courses now, write a note to your future self. So you can kind of reflect back on the experience that you've had and you can write a note to yourself in the future based on that experience, particularly when you're likely to feel the same way one year from now. Oh, Matt, I love that story. And I used to have my students write a letter to themselves a year from now and what they hope to remember about the course And I would give them actual envelopes. And it was always funny to me because the undergraduates in particular never really learned how to write a letter to themselves and and know how to address it. So I would show them how to address an envelope, someplace they know know that someone would be in a year that they could get the letter. And then I would take all of those letters, put them in a drawer, and then a year later, I would mail them out to them. And then the students would reach out to me saying, oh, I loved receiving my letter to myself from a year ago. And I remember learning this and that in your class. So it's such a fun activity to sort of end the semester. Oh, that's a wonderful story. I kind of want to adopt that. I mean, right now, because of where I'm in the semester, I'm probably thinking, oh my God, you know, will I have the time to go and mail all of those envelopes out? But I think that's what makes you a great educator, Cindy. I've been in your classes. Those creative activities that you come up with are just are just brilliant. And that's just another brilliant example that you've shared. All right. So looking at wrapping up the academic year, it's, it's, it's been a kind of, um, you know, I mean, I think every year is interesting, but I think there's kind of like two important points to highlight. One, this was the year where the World Health Organization deemed the pandemic as, as we knew it as, as coming to an end. Um, we're still living with COVID, obviously. But the reason why I bring that up is that, you know, 2022, 2023, dare I say, was kind of like the, the first year, at least where I live in the Northeast, where 
it felt like schools were beginning to get back to their normal routine. And I'm not blind to the fact of using the word normal routine on a podcast around creativity, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But the, the key takeaway is I think there's a, a, sense, a little more sense of normality, the structure that perhaps um, we are more typically used to during the academic year. And then, of course, we, we feel perhaps a little bit more in control of our planning, because I think it was really difficult during the pandemic to kind of plan for anything, not knowing whether you'd be in person or not in person. And then the other big thing that, that occurred this year, of course, was ChatGPT came out in, in the fall semester and got everyone's head spinning and is, is going to continue, I think, to whether it's ChatGPT or another technology, this idea of generative AI becoming accessible to the masses. This really was the academic year where that occurred. Educators around the world are having to now grapple with this new tool that I think could be an asset in their classroom environment, but also something that they need to think about how that toy is being used effectively to support learning and not necessarily undermine learning. And Matt, I know we brought in Brian Alexander to talk about the future of AI uh, over two years ago before chat GPT even really emerged. And I know we have a special guest coming up in season seven that's going to be talking to us about chat GPT and creativity. And I would encourage all of you, if you haven't looked at ChatGPT or other similar sort of systems, online systems, I would encourage you to go and play around and see what's what, what it's capable of and think about how you might use it as a benefit instead of just a hindrance. Because I, I've talked to a lot of teachers that sort of just sort of frown anytime I bring up artificial intelligence. And I think, but but there's possibilities there. So what does this mean for the future? And what does this mean for the future, particularly for your students? So, you know, if you think about what your students are going to be going to be doing in the future, it might be affected by artificial intelligence. Yeah, I, I love that, Cindy, because there there is time for you to go online. And there are some some stories of how ChatGPT is now being incorporated into the classroom and also incorporated to support creativity. I mean, um, there's a lot of discussion online around ChatGPT being used as an ideation tool, for example. So, so interestingly enough, if, if you can explore how ChatGPT could support problem finding or idea finding, what other things are you now doing in that time? And I think that's where things can kind of like get really interesting because rather than doing a 60-minute ideation session to generate 10 or 20 really unique and original ideas, you might have those 10, 20 really unique and original ideas generated in a matter of seconds. So now what else could you do as you begin to expand on those ideas further? Oh, I love that, Matt. So Matt, let's transition into our own work this year. What have you accomplished in this last academic year? Well, Cindy, you know, I feel like it's been a really action-packed year um, because I made some modifications to, you know, my professional role at the University of Connecticut, stepping down from an, an administrative role, which provide me with more free time to be creative and, and be creative in the classroom environment as well. And I'm going to kind of resist the temptation to get too much into the weeds with those stories. But teaching a W class for the first time, I took a lot of risks in that W class. I had a lot of failures, but I enjoyed teaching a W class. And, you know, if someone who was dyslexic and has always struggled with writing, I also felt that that was actually a professional accomplishment to, to be at a point where I'm there teaching a W class. The other kind of things that I've done is I launched Teacher Innovation Studio, which we had Lisa Saunders come and talk about. And I'm looking forward to um, working on Teacher Innovation Studio again this year. I also uh, worked with uh, James Kaufman on a paper, which fingers crossed will be published at some point over the next six to 12 months. You know how academia works, but we got that submitted in January time and, and we're going through some revisions now. 
The other thing that I did, I went and held a roundtable discussion with a group of teachers to talk about teacher creativity during the pandemic. And what we're going to do with that roundtable is we're going to turn it into a small documentary film. And perhaps that might become a series of, of documentary films. But that was, you know, first time I've ever facilitated a roundtable discussion. That was a really great experience. And I'm still kind of processing that because that was relatively recent. And then the other thing that I'm excited about, and I think this is well-timed with Father's Day, is that I've got a book that should be out next week. So hopefully this show has notes to my first book. It's called Raising Highly Creative Kids, Eight Tips for First-Time Parenting. I've really targeted first-time parents with this book because, look, I don't think I'm qualified yet to talk about 15 and 16-year-olds um, because I don't have any 15, 16-year-olds. But uh, excited to get this book down. When I started to write it, it, I was just thinking about sharing it as a PDF document on my website, but I kind of felt that I had more and more ideas to express. Um, and as you know, I reached out to you to, to kind of contribute to the book and a, and a bunch of other parents to contribute content around the eight tips that I shared in that book. And that's been a really fun journey. And so I'm looking forward to, to sharing that as well. Well, Matt, congratulations. I know how challenging it is to finish a book and to have your first book and it be a parenting book is a real tribute to your hard work and dedication, um, both to the field of creativity and to your role as a dad. So I love how it complements both ways. And I know also from writing a, a parenting book on creativity, my book is called uh, My Sandwich is a Spaceship. It's a scary place to be because you're putting something out about your own parenting. And that's, in my opinion, one of the most vulnerable places to express yourself as, as a parent, because you don't want criticism on your, as a parent, right? So I know it's a really vulnerable place as a parent to put your work out there and to share your stories and to share what's worked for you because, you know, your parenting role is, is probably, and well, in my opinion, it's the most precious and most delicate role that we have in our lives. Yeah, it's a really good perspective. And we have to spoke a little bit offline about this. And I think the idea of making ourselves vulnerable it's part and parcel of producing some work that you're sharing with the community. You're putting it online because, of course, um, you can't necessarily control how it's going to be interpreted by others. And as, as we've discussed on the show, criticism can, can hurt. And you're, you're completely right. I mean, I, I, I always get a little bit nervous every time I push publish on, on this type of episode of the Fueling Creativity podcast because, of course, we're making ourselves vulnerable on the show when we kind of share our viewpoints on things. But, but to your point, one of the things that I, I, I worked hard on in this book is, is to not necessarily present these tips as, you know, absolute must tips. There's a recognition in the book that, you know, these tips are, are deliberate actions that I've taken with my three boys in response to what we know is effective from, from the creativity literature and also from the learning sciences. And then I've also kind of like, you know, thought about those tips in relation to some of the conversations that we've had on the podcast as well. So when I introduce a tip, the tip is followed by a parent story. Um, so for example, you shared a parenting story around um, failure, which I've, I've named uh, my poop emoji. So if you want to learn a little bit more about, about poop emoji story from Cindy Burnett, you'll have to buy the book. But the other thing, I worked really hard for these tips to be applicable to as many different situations as, as possible. I wasn't necessarily thinking about these tips from the perspective of, of my boys per se. One of the tips is using technology uh, as a tool for learning. 
and talking about what that might look like. Another tip is look at it another way and getting us to see things from multiple perspectives. And all of the tips that I've put in, my hope is that they can work in different environments, you know, no matter the financial situation in that home environment, no matter the the, the structure of the family, one parent, two parent. I wrote this book with a mindset that that as parents, we are incredibly busy individuals and we really struggle to find time in the day to do things. And so this is not a book where it's like, you know, go do this activity. Here's an activity you, you can do, which requires $20, $30 of purchasing resources, going to a store to buy something, sitting down with the kids. This book, it was written for busy parents. And the items that I'm sharing in this book can be applicable for busy parents who feel like they struggle to find time to really provide that support for creativity in the home environment. And through these tips, they actually can do it. And it's not a lot of work. Well, Matt, as someone who read the book in advance, I can honestly say, I think it's a wonderful addition to the creativity literature and parenting books out there. And I think if you are a new parent, and I, I speak with a lot of parents who say, I really just, I want to bring more creativity into my home. How do I do it? I think you're providing such great resources in an easy to digest manner that's based off of the research as well. Oh, thank you, Cindy. Thank you. All right. Enough about me. Why don't you share what you've covered this year? So the first thing, Matt, is I'm working on a book called Infusing Creativity into the College Classroom. And I know you're one of our contributors to the book. I'm working on it with Dr. John Cabra, who's one of my former colleagues from the Center for Applied Imagination at SUNY Buffalo State University. And so we are working on giving college educators simple things that they can do in the classroom to help bring creative thinking in. And as you know, the World Economic Forum just released their 2027 vision of what skills are required and creativity is number two. And as we talk about over and over on this podcast, Matt, the K through 12 education isn't necessarily setting students up to be the best creative thinkers. And we really need to find ways to nurture and develop that. And if it doesn't happen by college, we need to make sure it's happening in college. So that's one of the big goals I've been working on. So the second thing I'm really excited about, Matt, is I've been working with the National Guard on helping their instructional designers integrate creative thinking into their design and their lessons and their learning outcomes. And it's just been a wonderful journey with them doing, we've been doing several layers of training in both creative problem solving, as well as the integration of creative thinking into their content and just an incredible group of people. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. And we're building a version of the infusing book with the National Guard. So I'm really excited about that. And finally, I've been working with Katie Trowbridge, who comes from Curiosity to Create. She's actually going to be kicking off season seven of the Feeling Creativity and Education podcast. And Katie and I have been developing an online social network for educators who love ideas. And this network is called the Creative Thinking Network. The website is now live. So you can go to the website at creativethinkingnetwork.com. And we're going to give our all of our listeners of the of the podcast a special discount code, which is fueling creativity, no spaces. That's 20% off 
our wonderful network. And the network includes 12 webinars, live webinars, which Matt is doing one on design thinking. We also have some of our past guests doing webinars. Monica Kang is doing one on curiosity. We have Andrea Mango doing one on cultivating a creative environment in the classroom. And so we have a lot of our past guests that are coming in to do live webinars. So you get that, as well as there's lots of creative lessons you can download and use. And then we're building this community where you can talk about your lessons and get ideas from other educators. Because Matt, quite honestly, I can't log on to Twitter anymore. As much as I have a wonderful group of people that I've been following over the years, I find Twitter and Facebook a bit chaotic and not suiting the needs of, of me as an educator. So that's one of the reasons why we built the Creative Thinking Network. So we could really have a space just for teachers to talk about what they're doing inside the classroom. So I hope to see some of you in the network and make sure you follow me and connect with me and say hi that you're a podcast listener as I would love to hear from you. Well, that, that, that's awesome. And um, just a reminder, we will share all of this information in the show notes, including the discount code. One of the things that, that strike me, and I think it's awesome, is, is it's, it's the focus of infusing creative thinking within higher education environments, you know, because we get, we get more and more specialized in our domain. It almost goes back to the conversations we, we had in our debrief with Howard Gardner last week. But, you know, it's these general creative thinking skills that we can infuse in our classroom environment, no matter what subject that you're teaching. And, you know, for the most part, I would say that in this podcast, we typically do focus on a K through 12 education environment and the creative thinking network obviously is focused on K through 12 teachers. Um, and there, there is a lot of professional development support for K through 12 teachers. But I do sometimes think that within the higher education realm, not, not all institutions, but there are some higher education professionals out there who probably would benefit from having more training on how to be better educators and you providing a service where those educators can focus on infusing creative thinking skills, I think is, a, is another wonderful addition to a long list of things that you already have when it comes to kind of supporting creativity in the classroom, Cindy. So awesome. I look forward to, um, you know, hearing more about these projects as they progress. Thank you, Matt. And to our listeners, we have a very special episode coming next week where we're going to unveil something different we're going to do this summer with our podcast. It's not going to be interviews. It's going to be, Pat, should we tell them? Let's just be upfront. The reason why we can't tell them is because we're still working on an absolutely awesome name. So let's <laughs> let, let, let's be honest that, um, you know, we don't have an awesome name, but we do have an awesome experience that we're working on. Um, it is connected to the um, 10 actions for the future creative that we've identified through the 200 plus tips that we've now generated on the show from incredible guests. So next week, we will be doing a kickoff to what will be a 10 week sequence of shows all centering around those uh, 10 actions. And the other piece of it is it kind of speaks to some of the changes that I think we're going to see in the podcast moving forward, because there's definitely a lot of engagement during the fall and spring semester, and we've, we're highly sensitive to that. So what we're trying to do is, is looking at our data and with, with a recognition that the academic year has come to an end, we're not going to continue with our regular interview guests. We're not going to do throwbacks. We're going to provide you with this new experience. It's going to take us all the way till the middle of August when we'll then do our kickoff to season seven and the new academic year. So we'll have our normal shows where we're interviewing guests around creativity topics during the fall and spring semester and during in the summer months, we'll be challenging ourselves to kind of create new and different experiences for those teachers that want to continue listening to our show during the summer. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on this special wrap-up episode of the 2022-2023 academic school year. Woohoo! And we look forward to sharing with you our upcoming series that's coming. There will also be prizes. Yeah, so you've got to watch next week because actually we're going to be explaining how you can access some of those prizes, get some of those prizes starting from next week. And we want to hear from you how you use this podcast either to support your professional development or how you use this podcast in your classroom environment. Please share with us those stories at questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com because we do use that information to look toward modifying, changing, tweaking the format of the show. My name is Dr. Matthew Werwood. And my name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. This episode was produced by Creativity and Education in partnership with WarwoodClassroom.com. Our editor is Sina Yousafzadeh.